the willingness of all Americans, men and women, young and old, to serve in the Peace Corps, to serve in all parts of the world, to serve at little pay, to do jobs that uh, most of them have never done before, is one of the most encouraging manifestations of the American spirit. They, I think, are serving this country well. And in a very real sense, they are serving a larger cause, the cause of freedom and the cause of a peaceful world. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory, on Facebook at MyPeaceCorpsStory, or on my personal Twitter at Tyler E. Lloyd. Additionally, head on over to iTunes and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think of the show so I can better serve my audience. Today, I am very excited to introduce the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is episode one. For this episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I actually bring on my friend, Jordan Wicker, who I met through another podcast that I helped produce, the Speaking Easy podcast. He's going to ask me about my service, about the book that I just published, and then the impetus for this podcast and why I want to help tell the stories of other volunteers. Without further ado... Here's the show. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Tyler Lloyd, and this is my Peace Corps story. Thank you, Jordan, for agreeing to come on the show and uh, interview me. No, oh, absolutely happy to do it. And after a year and a half of of you producing uh, the Speaking Easy podcast for for Alex and I, I can say that. Neither Alex or I have have refined much either. So uh, it's, it's you've 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 definitely gotten better. You've settled into it, and I did. Uh, I have a little bit more respect for um, talking into the microphone after because I've you know interviewed several people now and doing the back and forth, and it is it is much harder than it looks. There's there's <laughs> there's a definite skill to it that hopefully uh, as I progress in this show we'll uh, refine and get a little bit better. But from from the stuff I've recorded so far, I think people are really gonna really enjoy the show. Great. I know it's it's exciting to have uh, to see you have this other project. You've done so much great and free work for for our <laughs> show that uh, I'm I'm happy to give back. Uh, on this episode, I'm going to hopefully play a very minor role in basically moderate moderating what will be mostly a monologue okay yeah so i i don't know what he's going to ask me i have a general sense because i asked him on the show to to talk about my experience my book and the podcast that my peace Corps story podcast but uh, i'm just going to turn it over to you and you can you can take over absolutely well again uh i'm i'm very uh honored to to be chosen to to interview you uh today for episode one of my peace corps story and i think that it, it makes the most sense to really start at the beginning um mm-hmm. i i have a lot of friends uh who have have participated in peace corps or who have contemplated peace corps and i assume that a lot of your listeners are going to be similar people mm-hmm. uh, alumni 
current members and and people looking to possibly um, pursue Peace Corps in the future. Mm -hmm. And so I think the best place to start is to talk a little bit about your motivation for pursuing Peace Corps. What what got you into it? What got you interested? And and what was it like getting prepared for uh, leaving the United States for, for two years? I actually started applying to Peace Corps three different times. Um, it was the third time was the charm. Right after undergrad, I didn't really have much direction of where I wanted to go career-wise. I had studied biology, thought I was going to be a veterinarian, then worked for several vets and realized that, no, I actually don't want to be a veterinarian because uh, animals just die on you, and that's sad. Uh, so I didn't know what I wanted to do, and had I had always thought about Peace Corps. I knew that it was something that I wanted to do to go abroad and to, to travel. Um, I had studied abroad in undergrad, uh, went to Australia, which isn't the most... Well, it's an exotic place, but still everybody speaks English. You know, it doesn't take you very far out of your comfort zone. No, no. I, you know, I still was walking around in the jungle and having those you know, unique experiences, but it wasn't you know, really off the beaten path. And that's always what I wanted to do. Um, I, I wanted to go to the far off places that were romanticized in, in novels and the, you know, on the pages of National Geographic. You know, growing, growing up in Kentucky and just reading and watching the Discovery Channel, I knew that was something I wanted to do. And also, I wanted to have meaning. I just didn't want to travel. And I knew from my experience studying abroad that it really makes a difference of being somewhere for a long period of time. Um, I didn't want to go somewhere and be there for a week or two because I know that I would only be very superficial of anything that I did and anything that I experienced. So when I heard about Peace Corps originally when I was in high school, I was like, okay, this sounds like something uh, worth doing, something that I would like to pursue. So I started the application right after undergrad uh, and just I didn't finish it. I was like, well, I don't, does this make sense? Like, what are, what are my motives and what's, what does this tie into? You know, I didn't want to just go because I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, with my life. I thought that that was uh, sort of felt like a cop out to me. Um, I was like, well, no, I need, need a little bit better direction. So then I started working um, a job and said, well, okay, working a job's not that great. I think I'm going to apply, go do Peace Corps, and then come back and do grad school. And at that point, I decided that I wanted to do something in environmental policy. Then started the application, didn't finish it for one reason or another, got into grad school, and then found out about the Master's International program, which I could combine grad school and Peace Corps together. Uh, went to Indiana University, which was sort of our connection uh, mm -hmm. through through another friend. And so I applied to, applied to Peace Corps uh, at the same time that I was applying for grad school, got in, and then uh, one thing led to another, and then I was sent off to Burkina Faso to live and work there as an agriculture volunteer for two years. All right, so you, you were creating the segue <laughs> for me because... Oh, that's good. I know... Again, having had plenty of friends who have gone through this process and have kind of also shared, and I think a lot of people do, this romantic idea about traveling abroad, but not traveling abroad in a, a touristy way, but living mm -hmm. uh, in a space, being of the place by the end of it, that sort of thing. And I think that the thing that I've recognized in my friends that creates the most amount of angst is their their sight assignments. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just curious, was Burkina Faso the place, a place that you wanted to go to, had conceived of? Or was this, when you got this assignment, kind of like a, 
well, show me a map because I don't know what I'm doing. Well, for everybody who doesn't know, Burkina Faso is in Africa. It's in West Africa, right above Ghana, right below Mali, um, which some people also don't know where those are either. Uh, but when I received my my letter um, that told me I was going to Burkina Faso, I actually had zero idea where it was. Didn't even know it was a country. Um, but I actually did want to go um, to Africa. I wanted to work in Sub-Saharan Africa because during the interview process, they asked me, you know, is there any place you would like to go or not want to go? They don't really, when I was doing it, you didn't get to pick. Uh, they sort of placed you. But I did say, no, actually, I do not want to go to Eastern Europe. The idea that I had in my mind of Peace Corps was, you know, a mud hut in Africa. I was like, that's, mm-hmm. that's Peace Corps. That's the experience that I want. And I was given an option, actually, um, because of doing Masters International, of doing the Pacific Islands or uh, West Africa, and I picked West Africa um, mainly for logistics reasons of when it left and when it would return. Um, yeah, so I didn't really know that Burkina Faso was a place, knew nothing about it, didn't didn't know it existed. Fair enough. And did you, I actually don't know this, this is a question that I'll learn something on, did you have a language background? Did you were you bilingual before going into Peace Corps? Um, no, not at all. Um, I had studied Latin, uh, which you know is a very u- useful language yeah. uh, for translating ancient text and being really good at uh, biology test, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is the reason that I actually I took it. Um, but no, I had never studied um, a traditionally spoken. <laughs> foreign language, didn't do Spanish, didn't do French, anything else. Um, I had tried for about half a semester to teach myself Mandarin after um, visiting China and realized that that was not going to happen for me, Uh, more or less (laughs) tone deaf, so I didn't hear the difference between the different ways you could pronounce things. I'm familiar with that problem. Yeah, so that wasn't going to happen. But no, I I did not know French uh, going into Peace Corps, and it was actually funny so I also didn't study French when I got the assignment of I was going to Burkina Faso. I had about a nine-month lead time before I was going to leave. And I did not study French at all because I was actually told by a friend of mine um, who was in Peace Corps at the time, who he and I knew each other from my hometown. We had gone to undergrad together. It's like, do you have any pieces of advice? He says, I have two for you. One, don't study any of the language. It's going to be a waste of your time in the United States. Um, you will study uh up until you leave, and you will learn more in a week than you will in all the months studying back in the United States. And it's like true immersion can't be beat, so don't even don't even waste your time. Number two, make the most of your time that you have in the United States, and the most important thing is to eat as much as you want and get fat. He, he, <laughs> he, he told me, he was like, get, get fat, eat all the foods that you're not going to be able to get, and just don't don't worry about it. So I actually packed on about 30 pounds <laughs> before I went to Peace Corps, and then I lost it all in three months. So those were his two pieces of advice. Uh, don't learn the language before you get there, and get fat. Yeah, add, add a couple of comfort layers there, because you're going to need it. Yeah, and it melted right off in the uh, hot Burkina sun. So, so you're in Burkina Faso, mm-hmm. and you're doing what? Good question. So I was assigned to be an agriculture volunteer. 
which meant that I was going to work with farmers and people who processed agriculture goods. So people that took things out of the field and tried to transform them, whether it be mangoes, drying them into a dried mango or making tofu from soybeans, uh, worked with a big women's cooperative that processed rice. Um, but there were really no formal assignments with uh, the agriculture sector in Burkina Faso, not like the other people that were in Burkina Faso at the time. They were in the health sector or in um, education. So those volunteers, you know, they actually, they went to school. They were teachers. Mm -hmm. They had sort of a normal structured job. People at the health centers, they would go to their local health clinic and help there and design programs and outreach. Um, For an ag volunteer, you're more or less told, go out into the field and figure it out. I feel like that's, uh, I had that as a high school summer job, I think, uh, (laughs) detasseling corn in southern Indiana. So I think I can relate to some of that. Yeah. But, uh, and so obviously you were coming into a space where you were getting your master's in environmental Mm -hmm. policy. You Mm -hmm. have the hard science background Mm -hmm. and you are assigned to be uh, an agricultural assistant advisor yeah um, more or less like an ag extension agent if yeah, anybody is yeah. aware of that. yeah so i'm i'm teaching them better farming practices ideally that was you know what what i was supposed to do and different things like that okay yeah. I, I get the extension reference yeah uh, there's yeah. one in every county yep. uh great well i guess now with that foundation um mm-hmm. y- your your motivations for pursuing Peace Corps and kind of the foundation of your your location and what you're doing. Uh, I think that the next place, especially because of of the book that you've written, mm-hmm. that, that we want to go is, uh, I again, I can imagine that a lot of Peace Corps volunteers uh, both are romantic going into the process and become... Um, nostalgic even when it's not all good mm-hmm. uh, about their experience and get the impulse to write about it yes so what were those impulses for you when did they start and what made you decide that you had a unique enough story that somebody would want to pick it up and read it good question maybe i don't uh, <laughs> we can start there maybe uh my book is horrible and it's not worth reading um but I, th- I think it is. I've gotten some good reviews well, so far. Well, I haven't. I, I'll, I'll admit I haven't finished. Um, I've gotten through about maybe a quarter of it. Um, but you still want to keep reading. But I'm. But I'm still reading it. Well, and, that's, that's a good uh, sign. And that's a, that's a good sign because I finish a book a month. So um, <laughs> okay, you, you, but, you, you found a reluctant reader. So <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of people, I think it crosses their mind at some point because you're, you're in the Peace Corps, you're abroad and you're having all these experiences. And I think a lot of people do romanticize it. Um, I mean, if, since I've now, I guess in this space and I've been looking what other people are writing about and publishing in relation to Peace Corps, it seems like there is a, a new Peace Corps book that's being published, especially with, um, with self-publishing, uh, being so easy right now, like, one, two, three, like a month. Oh wow! Like there, there are a lot. Cause I'm not paying attention to this <clears throat> this industry. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's a lot of people out there because I mean, you can you can type up your story, load it into to Kindle, and you know, put it out to the world. It's really easy and and it's great. But there's a there's a lot of people that are putting their story out there in, in that way. Um, I was interested in 
in in writing, uh, just in general. I'd, I'd always been a above average writer. Uh, I'm a scientist at heart, um, but I'm a scientist that can like write halfway decently. Uh, and it was always something that was cathartic for me. While I was in Peace Corps, I had a blog, um, wrote a lot on there, and I would get a lot of good feedback, uh, mainly from my mom and my grandmother, which, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. it's like 66% of your readership, probably. Oh, oh yeah, easily, <laughs> easily. Um, but I, I had, had thoughts like, well, may, maybe I can write a book. But the problem, um, which I sort of spell out like right in the very beginning of the book, I have this little author's note, um, most of Peace Corps is mundane. Um, it's day-to-day chores and routines and just trying to figure it out. It's it's not that worth writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also really hard because these instances, these little stories that you have along the way that are really great might only last, you know, an hour. And it's a really funny antidote or it's half a day but they're spaced out between four months of monotony Mm -hmm. so how do you write a book where i didn't want it to be short stories of you know this happened on this date next chapter here's another story you didn't want it to be episodal you didn't want it to be like a a new story every chapter and a Mm -hmm. funny antidote and no no thread going other than the fact that you're yeah. somewhere different and because mm-hmm. because there, there are actually uh, peace corps headquarters puts out several different sort of compilations of really good books that are like that that are from other volunteers that have you know these really great funny hilarious or sometimes sad impactful mm-hmm. stories that are you know one instance and they're great but i am one person and i was didn't want to write a whole series of you know and this this episode mm-hmm. tyler does this uh, he goes to the market and tries to buy food for the first time. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to write something um, and sort of kept this idea with me all throughout my service. And then pretty much right at the end, um, something happened uh, that I guess I can, I can talk about it. If, yeah. if you, uh, um, There's during, no spoilers here. This is your show. Well, true. I guess I can say whatever I want. Uh, well, I can leave the conclusion blank and then you can read the book and see how I deal with this mm-hmm. sticky situation. Um, so when you're ready to leave the Peace Corps, you have your close of service medical exam and they, they sort of review your whole history. Um, you know, if you've broken any teeth like I had, had any you know, weird skin infections or illnesses, anything that might need sort of post-treatment after Peace mm-hmm. Corps so they can do the, the, the paperwork and give you vouchers so you can see a, a medical professional in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I went to this close of service medical exam and they also run a bunch of blood panels as well. I mainly, you know, checking cholesterol, platelet levels, liver function, just to, to see how you're doing after two years of living in a very exotic place. Yeah. Uh, different diet, different, different atmosphere, diet. different workload. Yeah. Just a lot of, a lot of stress. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, so I go and have that done. And then my HIV test actually comes back, uh, as positive. And it's sort of the the book, the underlying story of the book is a three-week episode of the ups and downs actually um, related to me figuring out, you know, am I HIV positive? And it was sort of just a, a snowballing effect of circumstances that caused it to, to last three weeks. Because if I was in the United States, had gone and, you know, just had a, a routine physical came back with a positive HIV test, they would follow it up with a more comprehensive test and they would be able to tell me that afternoon, um, you know, yes, no, you do actually have HIV or no, you do not. Mm -hmm. 
but because of time, place, and circumstance, um, this whole ordeal stretches out for for three weeks, um, and is what I what I end up writing about in the story until um, you know everything sort of comes to a conclusion. Um, and it's it's not the whole story; mm-hmm. it's just the 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 underlying thread that right. was something that happened that you know could allow me to tie in everything in my service. So that, uh, again, you're doing well to lead me to my next question. Oh, good. Uh, because I I was going to ask, were you, were you journaling? Did you have a diary? You mentioned the blog. Um, then uh, you gave me my follow-up question because then you mentioned that your mom and your grandma were, were readers of it. <laughs> so I can imagine uh, that it was somewhat self-censored. And I'm wondering, one, did you also journal on the side with... Um, more complete facts mm-hmm. and um from there you intertwine a lot and again i haven't finished the book but even in the early stages you intertwine obviously in this three-week period um basically flashbacks to, to earlier mm-hmm. spaces whether it's talking about interpersonal relationships or just events on the ground that occurred while you were there kind of giving the backstory to why there was uncertainty around uh, around the possibility of these test results, mm-hmm. and and so a lot of it is is given in fairly significant detail. Um, mm-hmm. But nothing. Uh, this is also a very clean book. This is not a smut book. No, no, I, no, no. That's not what I meant. I meant that the <laughs> your your description of of individuals, your description of the place. Yeah. Um, the description of your your own emotions uh, are, are are fairly uh, well drawn out, mm-hmm. and, and so I have to imagine that you were you were taking notes along the way, whether you were using them for your blog or keeping them just because again it was cathartic, mm-hmm. or keeping them knowing that you had some anticipation of, of writing about things later. Yeah, so I I, I wrote a lot constantly. Um, Journaling was a habit that I picked up in Peace Corps that I have intermittently continued post Peace Corps. Um, comes and goes with with good intentions, but yeah. So I, I wrote a lot and I recorded a lot of my thoughts and what I was going through throughout the whole two years. And actually, in the book, I do include journal entries um, from, especially from that three week period, and include those right in in the book. So you know, it's sort of an unfiltered, not a you know a polished. Um, sort of memoir style, but a stream of consciousness, vomit on the page of <laughs> panic, chaos, and other things that are going on as well. So I do include those. And also, um, I just I took a ton of um, photos and video. So I just have have a big giant collection of of everything that I did. Um, so in, in writing the book, I spent a lot of time actually going back through all the photos and videos and, you know, rethinking and remembering and sort of reliving a lot of these experiences and for some of the the harder parts in the book um they get pretty dark and emotional i probably looked like a crazy person when i was writing them because i would just sit there and sort of i guess meditate Mm -hmm. uh, on the idea and bring myself back into what i was feeling what i was thinking and tried to you know recreate that emotional state to experience it right before i wrote about it um so I would, you know, I was pacing my room and just, you know, just 
from the outside looking in, it didn't look, I looked like a complete uh, psycho. Uh, but so that's how I was able to get some of the, the harder things back in there. And then all the lighter stuff too. Um, you know, I had mm-hmm. that recorded as well. So we're all human and we all live in a world where our trials and tribulations are our own. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination for people like me who haven't spent two years abroad in a small rural community where I don't speak the native language that the the ups and downs and, and the emotions and the feelings and the experiences, the memories and the nostalgia that are attached to those might come in more extreme waves mm-hmm. um, and more more heightened highs and more lower lows and and that sort of thing and uh, I think that for listeners like me for this podcast it it might be helpful if you explain outside of necessarily the context of the story in the book mm-hmm. because that is one particularly intense episode but even in the mundane day-to-day life that you've mentioned is is not really worth reading mm-hmm. there have to be a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, uh, the same turmoils that we have in interpersonal relationships anywhere but you've got that maybe magnified because you're living in a smaller community and and also a community where you have other peace corps volunteers so you have that community but then you also have the community you're actually living in mm-hmm. and and maybe talk a little bit about that interaction um so both the peace corps community to that community and then also just how that plays on your emotions you're definitely right. Um, the the highs were higher and the lows were lower. Um, everything was sort of augmented throughout my service in Peace Corps. Um, as far as the relationships with people in my community, um, it was really hard in the beginning. Um, well, one, because I, I had just learned um, the language. So I spent three months um, learning French, then was put in a community, and then quickly realized that maybe 20% of my community at best actually spoke French well enough to, to communicate with me or at least confidently enough to want to communicate mm-hmm. me. So then I had to start learning a, a second language and a, a local language. So there was a big lag time there. So it was sort of just feeling lonely. And, and even though I was with a community of people that were constantly, you know, checking in on me, um, making sure everything was okay, I felt like a child. Um, cause I, I didn't know how to express myself. And it was sort of that frustration that sometimes you see with like a, with a two year old mm-hmm. of just, I don't know how to communicate what I need or what I think. And especially from coming from the United States, a lot of people that do Peace Corps are, you know, type A personalities, pretty mm-hmm. intelligent. And I always prided myself on my ability to communicate and to express myself and use big words. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even put a basic sense together. And I would walk around in village and for the first month I had to ask small children um, in like basic language, where do I live and can you please take me back to my house? Like I just felt useless. And mm-hmm. so this whole thing sort of spirals and you're just doubting yourself. Is if I can't get through basic everyday functions, right? how am I supposed to help this community? And that's sort of sort of where it starts of just, I guess, sort of the mundane stuff and it just, that's a lot of emotion there. And then, you know, but then you have these little moments where things click or they work and just like the smallest little instances um, sort of across, um, I think actually in most, most places, um, you know, they have a local word for, you know, foreigner. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my local language, it was tubabu. 
And people would call me Tubabu and like, oh, Tubabu, Tubabu, Tubabu. And to me, I just, it felt like, you know, it was always people were saying, oh, you don't belong here. You don't mm-hmm. belong here. You don't belong here. And I remember the, f- like one of the first times that a small child who I had like sort of corrected and said, you know, my name is actually Tyler. My name is Tyler. My name is Tyler. I was biking and he waved at me and he said, hi, Tyler. Mm-hmm. And it just like, I-, I broke out in tears. Like I had been called my name by someone in my community. And it was one of the first times they just sort of a, a stranger. Cause I had, you know, at mm-hmm. that point I had friends and family and they, they knew my name was Tyler. Like my host mom wasn't calling me to Babu. Like she, right. she, she knew my name, but just to have a person that I had interact with sort of daily on a, just a superficial level, a kid that just sort of yelled at me mm-hmm. as I biked down the street, actually yell at me and call me my name. He then still asked for money uh, or, or candy after the fact, <laughs> but at least he addressed me <laughs> with my name. So th- those are sort of the things that sort of, bring these upwelling of emotions um that otherwise are just like it's just just your name right well I, with that with two young nephews i can relate to the the joy that comes from them finally calling you by name even mm-hmm. if it wasn't in those extreme circumstances i can i can see that's a i feel like that's a quintessential example i guess of mm-hmm. of kind of the the world that you're living in when you're when you're in peace corps and i think that with that again as as the foundation, we we've heard a little bit about uh, your time and that your experience there and your motivation for writing the book, and obviously all of that kind of plays into now being on this podcast mm-hmm. and, and pursuing this podcast. Uh, but we really haven't talked much about the framework, what you envision doing with it, mm-hmm. and and what your goal is and how you'll feel accomplished at the end. Mm-hmm. So I guess first question is, what is the what what should listeners be expecting when it's not me talking to you in episode one mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast? So then I will be the host, and I'll be the one uh, interviewing and talking to um, current and return volunteers. And what I really enjoyed about writing my story um, was just the cathartic nature of reflecting, processing everything that I had gone through and putting it into words and also having an opportunity to, to finally share it with people, with friends and family, because uh, I feel it's a little bit more digestible um, in, in that format, even though, you know, it is, it is a book. Uh, but always I felt very superficial um, when I was sort of explaining my service. It was, you know, I, I did this, I ate that, I got really sick one time, uh, but it was great. So this actually gave me an opportunity to really dive into the highs and the lows and really explain myself and put into words my experience. And because of the podcast that I already had with you, and I'd been doing doing podcasts and seeing how they could be used as a medium to to tell stories and share information. And that's what I wanted to bring in, bring in other volunteers who maybe don't want to write a book. Uh, don't want to, you know, spend nine months of their life um, pacing around the room looking like a crazy person as they try to put into words their service, but have these really rich and amazing and, and varied stories because everybody's service is completely different. And, you know, I serve with people that were an hour bike ride away um, that our two stories don't even match up mm-hmm. of what, what we what we did. And, you know, I lived in one little tiny country and I wanted to provide a way where people could could sit down, um, talk with me and really share their story, their unique story of what it meant to be a volunteer, what they experienced, what they saw. And I 
try when I'm interviewing people not to guide the conversation too much. I have some basic questions, but I just sort of let let them go because um, I want them to to pick and choose. And in the very first two that I recorded, it was really u- unique and interesting to watch them as they were processing their own service as we were interviewing, that they were remembering little things that they had forgotten about and were sort of exploring this stuff. And it, you know, it was very, very impactful to see them go through the same process live that I had done in, in writing my book. So that's one of the reasons. And also I just wanted to get a better understanding of Peace Corps out there, um, all sides of it. Um, eventually, as I progressed through the show, I, you know, I want to get into some of the um, more difficult topics as well. You know, I don't want this to be just a Peace Corps is great and I went abroad mm-hmm. and I did good things and helped the world and made it better. Because, I mean, while that is a massive, massive part of Peace Corps, you know, there is this little dark corner that sometimes doesn't get talked about. Or if it does, it pops up in the media and it's sort of, you know, this salacious thing. Mm-hmm but really getting into that stuff as well. So I know that's sort of a, a scattered answer, but that's sort of what the show is going to be. It's sort of a, a choose-your-own-adventure for each volunteer of an opportunity for them to to tell their story. Well, great. I think that the I, I've been a longtime fan of... Uh, I know NPR has done uh, different stories along these lines where they interview war veterans, and there are certainly documentaries that have, have done that with different different segments of population that lived through some event. And I think that the, I think that the oral story is one, I mean, mm-hmm. again, not to tell people not to buy your book, uh, but I think that the oral story always comes across as um, not, not more genuine, but you, you, when you can hear the feeling in the voice, when mm-hmm. you can, when you can hear the the pause or uh or the quiver, or or that sort of, or the joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I, I hope that I'm able to to, to bring that out because also as an interviewer, I mean, it does take a level of trust that you have to build with someone. And then you know, just the short amount of the shows. Hopefully, I do I do get there. I do worry that for the the first few that I've recorded, that you know, they're still barely scratching the surface of the emotion. Um, but I, I hope that I'm able to to invoke that. That's what I want to do. I really want to capture the essence of each individual story. And I, again, to reiterate some of your motivations for doing this and things that I, again, as somebody who comes from the outside, I even feel a little ill-equipped to, to have this conversation with you now is a great introduction and exploration of, of Peace Corps and Peace Corps experience for somebody who has never done it and probably will never do it. I mean, I will never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, talking more generally, and then also, f- again, for I know plenty of Peace Corps alum who had a very hard time, mm-hmm. and I think part of their possible interest in this is uh, again the cathartic nature of it—not just telling their own stories, being interviewed by you, but hearing that plenty of other people had similar experiences or similar things happen or, or emotions during that process. And yeah, because so. it, it's sort of people tend to be largely self-selecting in those sort of things. You only hear about the people that had the great amazing time and the people that didn't sort of keep to themselves. Um, so I'm hoping that I get to show all sides of Peace Corps uh, and, and bring those people in as well. And I guess I have, you know, a few different, I guess, demographics of people that I'm interested in reaching um, the first are just people who are interested in Peace Corps uh, maybe those are people that have been thinking about Peace Corps 
want to know more about what it means to be a volunteer and what better way to, to get an understanding of a Peace Corps experience than listening to volunteers tell you their story. Secondly, for volunteers who are currently serving, I mean, I listened to a ton of podcasts. That's really where my, my love of podcasts grew was when I was in Peace Corps and allowing other volunteers to listen to stories of people that are serving around the globe and sort of seeing how they've processed similar problems. Because there's a lot of things that sort of happen to all of us and sort of them sort of realizing that, okay, you know, I'm not the only one going through this. I'm not the only one experiencing this. And other people made it through. Um, so to sort of give them some motivation and also, you know, also hear about other projects that people have done and just spur ideas and just create a better connectedness of volunteers. Then you have the group of people that have returned and allowing them a way to stay connected with their service. Um, not sort of just, you know, they, they came back, they hung their hat up and okay, now it's time to, you know, go do American life, to keep them sort of interconnected and, and remembering all the good that they did, all the things that they experienced, and sort of that stuff that you tell yourself when you have these very impactful uh, experiences, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this when I get back to the United States, or I'm going to make sure I incorporate this in my life. And, um, you know, those sort of little things that are sometimes lost as soon as you get back into routines to help people remember those. And then you just have friends and family. You know, people, it's an opportunity for them to get in front of a mic and really tell their story and then say, hey, you know, mom, grandma, I, I, I told my story on this show. Um, here's what a podcast is. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go here and you can click the button and you can listen to it and you can hear me tell my, my story. Some of the things mm -hmm. that you, you don't know about that I wasn't able to, you know, maybe write about on the back of a postcard or I've never really told you about. And I would, I would love for you to hear that. So it also gives an opportunity for people to reach out to their friends and family in a way that, you know, they normally wouldn't be able to and it encapsulate their experience. Well, I'm really looking forward to first finishing the book and, and I, I think that that'll happen soon. And two, to look, looking forward to listening to the podcast. Uh, again, it's not something that I anticipate well, I know for a fact that I'm not going to go to Peace Corps, but I again, I've got a lot of friends there, and it's a, a space where even just having this conversation with you, I realize how little foundation I have to even kind of explore the topic. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I assume that anybody who's even more directly uh, related to to the Peace Corps experience w will enjoy it. And uh, where can they find it? Where can they find you? Um, on the on the inter internet and where else okay so um the website is mypeacecoursestory.com also have an instagram mypeacecoursestory.com there's a facebook that i've created that i'm not really active with yet i guess uh, by the time of this coming out i'm going to start actually using it it's just sort of been sitting there idly that's also my peace corps story so if you search my peace corps story on facebook you can find it there uh, I'm not doing a Twitter uh, for this project, but if you want to just follow me in general, because I will be tweeting about this, uh, I'm at Tyler E. Lloyd. And then my book is called uh, Service Disrupted. And if you're listening to this right now, um, it's available online in uh, paperback and ebook on Amazon. So you can go check that out if you want to learn more about my service. Awesome. Well, again, 
honored to, to have been able to help you out with this. And I look forward to listening to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, if you want to stay better connected with me and My Peace Corps Story podcast, head on over to MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. If you want to know more about my personal Peace Corps experience, please check out my new book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. Every volunteer has a story. What's yours? <laughs>